Welcome to Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, your host, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you will come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Hello, friends. Okay, I'm going to start out with a bit of housekeeping. I am sure that I'm the only one paying close attention to the summer schedule for this show, but I did want to let you know that I adjusted the timing for this final episode of the summer biweekly schedule. Instead of launching next week, August 25, I am launching a week early to give me a full three-week end-of-summer break, both to accommodate some work travel that has come up and also to, rather fittingly, give me some degrees of freedom around the transition of taking my firstborn to college. What a moment. It is so exciting. Housekeeping out of the way, I just wanted to move on to the inspiration for this show. Over the past year, I have received a number of requests to talk about college applications and how to navigate the chaos, and the most recent message nudged this topic to the top of my digital pile. And I guess it sort of hit emotionally because I'm on the other side of the applications and also about to embark on the send-off. So this listener wrote, at some point when you've had time to process it, Can you talk about sending a child off to college? I have a rising high school senior and it feels so overwhelming. How do I support her in applying to colleges and helping her choose the right one? My daughter is creative and I'm terrified of the huge financial commitment for us and for her that comes with this major life decision. I have so many thoughts. There's so much in this short little message and I think I'm going to address it all in the reality check framings that I have and want to share today. So before I do that, I do want to say that there are a few college-related episodes in the Edit Your Life archives. I will link them in the show notes, but they include a solo episode by Asha about college application first steps, an episode on choosing the right college with Lisa Heffernan of Grown and Flown, that's episode 121, And then a really lovely episode on reducing high school and college stress with the inimitable Gabrielle Blair. That's episode 81. And suffice to say, there are also tons of resources out there for you. I will reference a couple along the way. But today, my focus really is on an overarching reality check (laughs) with some practical details along the way, of course. Because this whole college situation is bonkers, and now more than ever is a good time to apply my therapist's key advice, which is you can't change other people's behaviors, only modulate your own response and how you handle things. So I'm really excited to talk about this topic. I have a lot of thoughts, as I said, and we'll do that after a quick break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Oftentimes, when asked to think about what one would do with a bonus hour, people reference things like exercise, play, and rest. These are all super important things, and I would recommend adding getting the support you need and deserve to your list. 
As a mom, independent business owner, and human blessed with many relationships, I spend a lot of time giving. So one of the greatest gifts of therapy for me has been the ability to know that someone is holding space for and listening to me. No filter required. I adjust my session frequency as needed, and it is a huge comfort knowing support is there for me. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. This online therapy platform was designed to remove the traditional barriers to therapy and make mental health care more accessible to everyone. Simply fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash edit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash edit. Did you know that hyaluronic acid naturally occurs in our skin but decreases gradually as we age, leading to thinner, drier skin? If you're looking for support hydrating your skin from the inside out, check out one of the tools in my hydration arsenal, Rituals Hyacera. Clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days, I take Hyacera every morning with my first glass of water, and like all of the Ritual products I have tried, the capsule actually smells good. Ritual's products are tested and validated by a third party for allergens, microbes, and heavy metals. They also engage in industry-leading sustainability standards and are a female-founded B Corp, which means they hold themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. Want to join me in hydrating from the inside out? Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash edit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash edit for 25% off. Okay, friends, we're back. And we're going to dig into reality checks around college applications. And I believe I have eight of them. So (laughs) So buckle up. This is going to be fun, though. I promise. Fun and hopefully stress relieving. And that's what we need right now. The first one, I think, is a crucial step. And I think it'll set the stage for the process in general. And I want you to think about what kind of information seeker you are and focus on sources and resources that feel supportive and won't drive your anxiety. I think it's important to note that, as many people know, I am by nature a research nerd, both in my previous professional training and in general as a consumer of things. Yet I found that on the topic of college, I was not in the space of wanting to be high information seeking. It was tremendously overwhelming. I felt like people have just a ton of issues that they're bringing to the table, present company included. And so I just wanted to approach it in a way where I was doing basic due diligence, but otherwise wasn't going down a rabbit hole that would trigger my own anxiety. I do think also partially I was just trusting things would be okay. And also part of me felt like there's got to be a way to do this that does not consume all of my bandwidth. So I walked into it, actually, it felt like a little bit of a personal experiment. And I just really wanted to see how I could apply a do less approach to college applications, which is rather on brand, but this is just who I am. 
I guess my point is you need to find a way to consume information that works for you and won't just make you feel super anxious all the time. So I'll use a personal example. So my friends over at Grown and Flown, it's a wonderful resource for people who have kids who are leaving the nest. They have an incredible college resource group. I will link it up in the notes. And the founders kindly invited me to explore the community gratis. And as I looked through the offerings, they offer video sessions with experts and a Facebook community and all these things. I decided I just wanted to handpick a few key sessions to listen to, and I was delighted to find them to be very supportive and within it's going to be okay vibe. And I just picked up a few key pieces of advice that became real anchors for me through the remainder of the process. I'll describe some of these anchors as I go. However, I knew that I did not want to be active either in sharing or consuming through reading in the Facebook group. That works for some people. That's great for some people. But personally, I knew it wasn't going to be good for me to be in an environment where the range of anxiety about college was unknown, but probably pretty high. So that approach worked great. You may wish to choose a different way to consume information, but my point is there are many ways that you can enter into even a community like the Grown and Flown College community and just do it on your own terms. My second reality check tip is a bit of good news. (laughs) And that is, there are so many great places a kid can go and thrive, like literally thousands of options. And this whole idea that there is one perfect place or one right choice is honestly complete BS. I wrote a lot more about this and what it takes for kids to really thrive in a piece for the Boston Globe that I will link up in the show notes. It was called College Rejection Season Doesn't Have to Hurt This Much. We Need to Rethink the College Admissions Rat Race. I talked to some incredible experts in that piece, and I think you will find it very helpful. But I just can't underscore enough the reality that there are so many places where your kid can be happy. And I think if you and your kid can embrace that and really sink into that reality, it takes a level of pressure off of the process that will be so valuable for your whole family. The third thing I want to raise is another piece of good news, which is that most kids have very broad parameters. I mean, I think it can be tricky when there's really no parameters, so there's nothing to narrow in on. But oftentimes, there are basic things like, do they want to be in a city versus a more rural environment? Are there particular sports or fields of study they want access to? And that connects to the idea of number one, that there are many, many options and many places a kid can thrive, while also being helpful to start narrowing options. So for example, my daughter knew she wanted to be in a big city, but with a campus quad feel. She knew she wanted a diverse student population. Our city currently is diverse. She's a mixed race human being. Diversity was very important to her. She wanted access to solid biology offerings. She did not want to be in Massachusetts. And so those are some pretty basic parameters, but they actually helped narrow down our choices a lot, but we're still broad enough to put a variety of options on the table 
and trust that there were many places that she could go and be happy. My fourth recommendation that I cannot (laughs) emphasize enough is to consider and apply to a range of schools in terms of college acceptance rate. First of all, and I wrote this in my Boston Globe article, I truly believe there's no such thing as a safety school. In fact, I wish we could just do away with that language. I want to make it go away. Every institution deserves respect. However, if you would like more quantitative numbers from a professional, my wonderful friend, Allison Slater-Tate, she's a writer. She actually has a Washington Post article on college admissions coming out soon. And whenever it's live, I'll link it in the show notes. But she's also a consultant at Dunbar Consultants around college admissions. And she was a speaker for one of those handpicked sessions I listened to through the Grown and Flown community. And she had mentioned some benchmarks that might be helpful to you as you think about schools and acceptance rates. She points out that anything under 15 to 20% acceptance rate should be considered a reach, though, of course, 30% could be considered a reach for other kids. And that 75 to 80% college admission rate means more likely. Note she's not saying safety school. She's saying more likely. And specifically in some follow-up, because I wanted to make sure I had those numbers down and they were still holding since the time I had listened to the original broadcast. But in recent correspondence, she said that she implores families to prioritize researching schools with a 70% or above acceptance rate. She especially recommends this approach since ED, or early decision, is now a really big factor. Acceptance rates for early decision are much higher, but you need to commit to paying no matter what. And I for sure have a lot of conflicted feelings about this reality in terms of having better odds if you can pay full tuition, and the fact that schools need families who can pay full tuition in order to offset the cost for other families. So it's tricky business. And of course, there's the other issue that your kid may not be ready to commit to one place right at the beginning. So it's a complicated situation. If you want to dig in further, Allison also shared a link to some comparison data by Jenny Kent and Jeff Levy at Big J Educational Consulting. I'll link it up in the show notes. They share some school data for the percentages of acceptance for regular decision versus early decision, and it's quite illuminating. Also, on this point of applying to a range, anecdotally, I heard a lot from families this past decision season about disappointment and also, quite frankly, some shock. The pandemic seemed to throw a massive wrench in things and schools that kids were expecting to get into. Often they had really robust metrics and resumes and things. Well, they just didn't get into those places. So personally, Laurel ended up applying to schools that ranged from nine to 75% acceptance rate. And that worked out really well for us. So take Allison's advice to heart and really look for schools in that window of a 70 plus acceptance rate. My fifth recommendation is that money matters. I mean, obviously it does, but I think people often forget about this when their kids get their minds set on certain schools. In one of those grown and flown sessions, I heard Jeff Levy give this solid advice that really encapsulated it appropriately. He said something like, it's better to get into a school you can afford Instead of getting into a school, there's no way you can afford. I know it seems logical, but 
I think a lot of people get stuck here. So per my earlier point about there being many, many places a kid can thrive, I recognize that it is hard when a kid has what they consider a dream school. But part of our job as parents and caregivers is to level set with them. It's not going to be a dream if they and you apply, but find you can't afford it or can, air quotes, warranted, by taking on massive amounts of loan debt. So personally, as a result, we applied to both public and private colleges. And for the private schools, I did triangulate Laurel's earlier mentioned parameters, you know, big city, et cetera, around schools that offer merit aid. The merit aid information also came from Jenny Kent and Jeff Levy, and I will link that up in the notes. It was tremendously helpful. I was basically looking for schools where the likelihood that she would get some merit aid was good. Okay, so a lot of what I've been talking about has been kind of the wind up to actually getting the applications done. So let me talk a little bit more about how to actually roll things out. My sixth recommendation is to know yourself and your kid when it comes to timing and boundaries. Some kids are huge procrastinators and really it's totally developmentally normal for them to be that way. And nagging them six months in advance may be a completely fruitless exercise. I mean, that may work for some kids and they're ready to get on board, but others not so much. So personally, in an ideal world, I thought it would be great and very smart to spread out the college application process starting the summer before senior year. So, you know, like June before applications, because that is how I work. I like doing things in advance. I don't like being up against deadlines. It makes me very stressed out. However, my kid had no interest in doing college anything the summer after junior year. Because I like data, to wit, (laughs) I looked at the version history in my Google Doc where we worked on the list. I did, in fact, set it up last June. I put in ideas that fit the parameters I have described, range of acceptance rates in cities, diverse, offering merit aid, etc. But otherwise, there was pretty much no action in that doc in July and August. It just wasn't happening. And I didn't want to nag. It seemed pointless. So we really didn't start winnowing down that list until September. And then we had our final list by October 3rd, which to me felt like go time because we were targeting November 1st early action dates. And it worked out great. I also was very clear with Laurel about my boundaries. I told her that while I was happy to support and help her however she needed me, given my work schedule, which was very chaotic and stressful at the time, I really could only help on weekends. That was really important to me to say, listen, this needs to be a collective experience. If I'm going to help, I need to do it on my terms too. And I was really impressed. Laurel totally respected those boundaries and it was great. The final thing I will say on timing and tactics is that I do recommend considering early action, which is not binding like early decision. So you can make your decision knowing what your aid package will be in the spring. And I recommend this mostly because it puts due dates on the calendar that are not right over the holidays. (laughs) Like, couldn't there be a better way? Anyway. It also did feel good to get some answers, some responses to those early action 
applications early on. If I recall correctly, I think we heard about some of those places by the holidays, which was amazing. So if you can manage it and your kid has the interest, I definitely recommend it. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. My seventh recommendation is that you can do it your way. I feel like this is Christine Co. 101 advice, whether it's related to the book Minimalist Parenting or this podcast. But it is so crucial through this rather overwhelming process to reduce any stresses around the shoulds. Let me give you a couple of examples. So first, we did not do a single advanced college visit. We did all of our research to narrow down the college list via Google Earth, which was really helpful given that Laurel wanted a school that was in a city, but had that cozy campus feel, we were able to rule out several places just through Google Maps research. We also did some other research online, including what ended up being kind of awesome, which were these very non-polished, not official marketing college tours by students on YouTube. (laughs) It's kind of awesome. And really this was because I did not have the time, energy, or interest to drive or fly to places that my kid may or may not apply to. Some people may need that. That's fine. But for me, that didn't work. I did tell Laurel that I would take her anywhere she wanted to look at once accepted, and it worked out really beautifully. She wanted to visit her top early action choice and fell in love with it. All told, we did one college visit. But again, If college visits are what make you and your kid feel happy and comfortable, go for it, obviously. 
Another recommendation on the advanced research topic is that I also looked at the online versions of student newspapers for schools that Laurel was interested in. And it was a great way to see what students actually care about versus the shiny marketing material. And I have to give props to Stephanie Mead. I'll link her website up in the show notes, but she is another one of those handful of video sessions I listened to in the Grown and Flown community. She's really great. And I thought that tip was just genius. And as a former college newspaper editor, of course, I loved it. The other thing is that in the do it your way vein is we only ended up pursuing applications for schools that were on Common App, of which there are tons. (laughs) But the point is that because we just wanted to deal with this one platform that knocked out some international considerations we had had, as well as the University of California school system, because they have their own way they do things. And it was fine. In total, Laurel submitted seven applications, which may seem a little low, but given the wide acceptance range rate and the way the schools lined up in other ways, we felt really good about this list. And even at one point I had said, oh, should we maybe add one or two more? I don't know. And Laurel was really firm that she felt like this list was good. It was great. My final recommendation is sort of a holistic one. And it is to ease up on making everything about the college application. There are two things on my mind here. First, and I think this is especially important before actually applying, is I implore you not to kill your kids' love for things by putting on a lot of pressure about performance. Let them do things for the love of an activity versus the resume. Let them decide to stop doing things that they're good at if that's really what they want to do versus saying, keep doing it so you can put it on your college application. We need to listen to our kids more. They have an internal compass, some stronger than others, of course, but I know it's a delicate balance of wanting to push a little bit when they need encouragement and then knowing when to step back, but just don't make everything about the college application. The other reason I recommend this is if you have other household members, the whole college process can just suck all the air and bandwidth out of everything. And it would be great for that not to be the case. So just pause, breathe, try to ease up on the process as much as you can. Obviously, it's an important and major life decision, but there are also a ton of potential paths and pivots that may happen along the way. So you can only do what you can do. I truly hope that this episode and my thoughts today have been helpful if you're embarking on this process, or even if you're a little ways back on the process. And for my Your Next Edit, I wanted to loop back to my first tip of figuring out what kind of information seeker you are and make a plan that honors that. This will set the stage for how the process will roll out and keep you focused on what matters to you and your kid without driving yourself into a deep state of overwhelm and unhappiness. So important, right? (laughs) Okay, friends, you'll find the show notes for this episode, including links to resources and related episodes at edityourlifeshow.com. As ever, I would love to hear your thoughts and questions. Come say hello on Instagram or Facebook at edityourlifeshow.com. 
or send an email to edityourlifeshow at gmail.com. I would also be grateful if you would drop Edit Your Life a review on Apple Podcasts or tell a pod-loving friend about the show. Thank you for listening. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.